all-new, crisp, cool, refreshing Cano Tambos. A complete affordable library of tambourine loops from 50 to 154 beats per minute. Pop the top and add instant life and dynamics to any mix. Used by the top producers, engineers, and recording artists of today. Simply drag and drop. With multiple bit depths and sample rates to choose from, you'll never have to record another tambourine again. Visit canotambos.com. That's C-A-N-O-T-A-M-B-O-S.com and enter promo code Turned Up. One word, Turned Up, for 20% off. Cano Tambos. And I'll just start this. Are you there? Hey, hey. I'm over here. I'm down here on the blue track. Me faking it is how I am even sitting here right now today. When you look at my bio and you see producer, credits include Megadeth, you might think, oh, he produced Megadeth. Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, offering a glimpse inside the music industry, shedding light on things they don't want you to know, and exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast, presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones. Are you eating something? And Robert Venable. No, I was just thinking about eating something because I'm really hungry. Kind of in the mood for Chick-fil-A. I am down with Chick-fil-A right now, and it's not Sunday, which means it is open. I, I never want Chick-fil-A more than on Sunday. <laughs> because it's the Lord's food. It is. And you're like, I have my heart full of sermons. I'm to get my stomach full of chicken. I can't! <sighs> not good chicken. I really like their chicken. Doesn't Chick-fil-A know the Sabbath is Saturday anyway? Well, I mean, I guess they're in the chicken business, so... <laughs> I mean, they're not. I just really want food. Words. Words are hard. Words are hard. It's weird that I <laughs> we're about to embark on a journey that includes nothing but words. Lots of words. We should throw them. I have some words. Go ahead. Um, I once shared the stage with Avenged Sevenfold, Metallica, and Guns N' Roses. Um, those are some words. And uh, I guess... Those are words that I hear all too frequently, like very... That's a true story. No, I, that, technically it is a true story. Did I play literally the exact same stage? No, not exactly. It was the same festival. See, like, I guess I could be standing on a stage, like backstage or side stage, like, hey, currently on stage with blah, blah, blah. Be right back. Right. Mm-hmm. So that is an example of it's a colloquialism uh, that is well known, which is... Fake it till you make it. That's what we should call this one. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. And, uh, and, and it happens all the time. And not even just with, with like, you know, guys that are trying to make it. Even people that I think for all intents and purposes have made it are still out there faking it from time to time. And sometimes even the media picks up on it. Yeah. Um, I think it's in, in all sorts of different um, realms or industries or businesses that uh, it's something that happens a lot. Like you said, it's not just faking it until you make it. Maybe it's faking it while you're making it. Um, just continuing to fake it, uh, which we've talked about before, I, That uh, I think our very first episode, music, was it our first episode? Music, it's all fake? Yeah. And like we talked about that, and, we've, and this is not what this episode's about. It's not talking about how um, it's an entertainment industry, so we're here to entertain, whether it's true or not, uh, whatever, it's entertaining, so that's what we're here for. Um, but we're talking more about... I guess the social aspects and the way things are worded and the you things- You said it earlier, fluffing the numbers. Yeah, maybe fluffing the numbers, fluffing your resume. In the music business, uh, it actually is vitally important uh, in, a, in some aspects. Um, 
and uh, now more so than ever. And, uh, but, but it's not really all that different than, than, well, lying on your resume saying, <laughs> you know, I worked four years at such and such law firm when the truth is, yeah, you worked four years as their janitor. Cleaning the toilets. Um, but you might use, you might use a term that, that sounds more fancy, like uh, oh. executive <laughs> uh, organizer, you know what I mean? <laughs> the H2O distribution engineer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a water boy. Yeah. Um, you know who, who uh, a, a, a horrible example of faking it till you make it because- Oh good, we're all about horrible examples. He's not faking it and he has made it is Robert Venable, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a horrible example of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Role model. It's a horrible example of, of faking it because he's the real deal. Robert Venable is an award-winning producer, engineer, uh, Grammy Award nominated, Dove winning, um, gold records uh, galore everywhere. Galore. Just, so just many has to step over the gold records to I've, even use the toilet because uh, they're just, just piled funny. up. He's run out of space to Is put this them one of on. those fluffing the number things? Is it just because my gold record was sitting on the floor in between you and the bathroom and you had to step over it? You're like literally <laughs> stepping over my gold record. Who's that gold record for? That That's a Kelly Clarkson record. For your work with Kelly Clarkson, not only has he worked with Kelly Clarkson. Uh, he's also worked with 21 Pilots, Mute Math, Megadeth, DMX, Rough Riders. If you listen to the show, you hear this every week and it's so true. Um, and it's, it's amazing. And I'm completely honored to call him my best friend in the whole wide world. Uh, something really cool about Robert is uh, he's recently taken up fiddle lessons, but not just any kind of fiddle lessons, um, but fiddling while skydiving. It's a new thing um, as if being the drummer for As We Ascend wasn't enough, as if uh, <laughs> touring the world um, as a multi-instrumentalist, producing some of the best songs and mixing uh, hit records. But not uh, fiddle. And writing. In fact, writing number ones. Oh, uh, you've got you've got lots of those, but I'm not the we, we wrote, one. produced engineered we did a lot of stuff together a hit record together we've done a lot of things together and we we share a number one plaque um but i want to hear more about this skydiving fiddle lessons i'm sure you do jake and that's why i'm here to tell you about that right now um so what think about this picture yourself ten thousand feet above the surface of the land that we live on every day gravity is gripping at you wanting you down closer gravity likes hugs. to the core of the earth and you're up there with nothing but a parachute and a fiddle what do you do? You jump. But while you jump, instead of screaming, oh, I'm going to die, you start playing <laughs> The Devil Went Down to Georgia on your fiddle. Have you, have you learned that one yet? No, but I mean, who can really tell why you're going <laughs> plummeting hundreds of miles an hour towards the earth? Tell me about your instructor. Oh, well, that, we're going to get to that. Ladies and gentlemen, Jake Jones sitting right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Uh, thank you. Um, that was already planned before you even said that. So that was a good segue. Um, is uh, sitting sitting before me, sometimes after me, but at six foot. What How you, dare you break wind before me? <laughs> Sorry, man, I didn't know it was your turn. <laughs> um, so you, Jake Jones. Again, we've talked about every episode. If you say Jake uh, Jones, you have to say Jake Jones. You can't just say Jake. If you say it three times in the mirror with the lights off. That's Beetlejuice. Oh, sorry. And it doesn't have to be the mirror. You just have to say it. Um, or No Place Like Home with your gold, red, glittery shoes. Not even gold. Glittery red shoes. Ruby red shoes. That's what they are. Then you get to do something fun. Um, so I'm not going to say your name one more time because that'll be three. And then I don't know what's going to happen. Wait. You're not going to say... No, I'm not. Don't trick me. You're not going to say... You always trick me. Your name? This, you, you know what I'm not going to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, already, you already spilled the beans a little bit about the things that um, you and I have 
done together as far as number one Billboard charting uh, album that we co-wrote and produced and engineered that you had a you, you mixed. Um, you have also written other Billboard charting songs. I think I was just looking at the charts the other day and saw a couple that that you had your hand on um, or your ears on or your hands and ears on or your hands on your ears. That's that's how I mix. I put my <laughs> put hands on hand. my ears. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> what is happening? Buttons. I like the lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, you play guitar and not just guitar, but bass. And you also sing, but uh, you play guitar and sing in the band As We Ascend, formerly um, playing the guitar in the nationally recognized sharing the stage with Avenged Sevenfold and <laughs> well, Metallica, I forgot who else was. Um, uh, we as Human was the name of that band. And uh, that's how, how we met, actually, because of your, your fame from that venture. And then you were on Twitter with that little verified check mark. I'm like, I need to know this guy. He's in my town. And then, uh, and then I saw you had the blue check mark, and I was like, oh, we can be friends now. We were already friends by that point. We were, actually. Yeah, that was the true story. Um, and then uh, you own a recording studio, uh, Incendium Recording Studio, uh, studios down in just south of Nashville. And uh, looking around the studio that we're sitting in right now, actually, just all these cool guitars, which I wish I knew how to play. Um, and then you have the awards for uh, Best Rock Artist and Rock Album of the Year, New Oh, I forget what they are. All these things. I don't know. It's your award too. They're all a thing. But it's, it's a shared award. They're all things. Um, and all the like the, the backstage passes and like the tour passes. Those are just cool. That's very rock star. But um, like we alluded to a minute ago, you also teach skydiving fiddle lessons. I do. So I'm a terrible fiddle player. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just taking it all back to fake it till you make it. Uh, I recently stole some photos uh, from a from an Italian uh, fiddle player. Whoa, whoa! This is getting all too real. Posted it on Craigslist that I was giving uh, skydiving lessons. The photos were of this guy's gold records, and oh. I just claimed that I that they were mine. And um, for my fiddle playing, whoa! This is and, all too real. Uh, <laughs> this is going to come up again here in a minute. Um, and, and but anyway, no, nobody can tell what I'm playing up there. So the wind passes my exactly. ears. So I just I. I jump out of airplanes and kind of make some scratchy noises on a violin and, and tell people, do, do what I do. Follow, follow me. You only teach while plummeting toward the earth. In fact, like, it's the only time I ever play. We don't even get the hands on, from my point of view, we didn't even get our hands on the fiddle until you're falling. It's like, right. okay, pull it out. And we pull out the, the fiddles and the, the stick thing, um, which you haven't taught me what that's called yet. And we, uh, we just fall and we're trying to look at each other and we're screaming, what? And you're like, <laughs> And then you yell, I go, what? And then you go, and you start pointing to the thing, the, the fiddle and then the stick thing. And we just, we made music. That's what there. it's called. I, ta- I taught you that. It's called the stick thing. I, I didn't get my grades back from my test. I didn't know if that was right or not. Well, the reason that fiddles have those holes in them is because they double as a drum. And so you flip it oh, over to the, the side without the strings and then you, you hit it with the stick. So you, that's what I was trying to show you. Got it. Okay. It was hard to understand as we were falling so fast but what you're saying is i got to go about stealing images um from the internet and posting them on craigslist uh it's kind of like stolen valor like you see those youtube videos of people wearing fatigues uh, military fatigues out in public and then people calling them out like wait that badge doesn't match up with that badge and like that we're not comparing ourselves to war heroes no absolutely not very far from it um however Sometimes people take pictures or steal pictures from the internet from somebody else's thing that they think, oh, they're in another country. That guy's Italian. No one's ever going to find that I'm using that image. Um, well, true story, just yesterday, <laughs> I, uh, 
I found an ad on Craigslist for someone teaching guitar lessons. And he had a wall of gold records. And in this big, long paragraph where he's selling himself for guitar, giving guitar lessons, he's like, I've got over 40 RIAA gold certifications and I've worked with tons of artists, but he doesn't use his real name. And I'm thinking that's really weird. Either he's embarrassed, but he's posting a, you know, either embarrassed or he's faking it. And, but he's posting this picture of the, all these gold records. And I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting. He's saying he has 40 gold records at least. And then he's posting a picture of, I don't know, 30 or 40 gold records. I finally put two and two together and reversed image searched that image, which you can do on Google. You can like drag and drop or copy and paste that image into um, a certain page on Google and it'll look for that same image or similar ones online. And I found the same image on an Italian producer's website. And like I translated it to English and it's like, here are some of my recent works. I'm like, this guy's legit. But you can go to allmusic.com, which is like the big uh, resume of, formal resume and it's not exactly accurate and it's hard to get in touch with them and correct errors but they go by the album artwork so if your name is in the album they put that on your resume on allmusic.com i searched this guy's name which i finally found by doing some internet sleuthing and i'm like he has nothing he has one credit on his all music thing and none of them are anybody it wasn't a guy i've known it wasn't a person who has gold record and he's claiming to work with all these big bands. I'm like, okay, maybe he worked with them in the studio, but no, he specifically says he has RIAA certification golds and he has this wall of golds. So I called him out on it and I posted his thing and said he's a scammer and like, don't pay this guy any money. Like it just got to me because I'm owed credits that I don't have. And people have said they've done things and they haven't. I can't say that I've done certain things um, sometimes because the artist will check all music and say, well, it doesn't say that you ever worked with that person on there. Right. I'm like, and well, because the label left my name off the credits, which I mean, if you look on the album, my name's there, or I can show you that I worked on it. I have pictures and video of me in the studio with them working on it, that kind of thing, uh, which you learn how to kind of cover your own tracks that way. But so I called him out and he's all of a sudden I get a cease and desist thing. like take this down or I'm going to sue you for defamation, which would not hold up in court. If you're an attorney, like he said, he was also, interestingly enough, um, that that would um, not hold up because what I was saying was true. He was stealing someone else's artwork and pictures but that's the segue story into what we're talking about today faking it till you make it that's a bad example because he is faking it completely i was about to say that's that's just straight up lying he is that's that's, false advertising that's not the way to go about this and we don't condone we're gonna go ahead and say just as a blanketed statement jake Jake jones and i oh no something magical is happening i said your name three times whoa i never knew that that actually happened i always thought that was a joke but told you dang dude Feel different now. Still hungry though. You look different too. Thank you. I'm older. Um, <laughs> so we do not condone any of the things we're going to say today. However, this is all common practice. I say common, but yeah, fairly common practice. Things that that established bands, up and coming bands, and producers and musicians all do in order to maintain their status or gain status in the industry, and it's. It, it's become accepted. I don't know if it's true or not. Again, smoke and mirrors, but it's stuff that we do that, that might not exactly be true it, it, to some extent. I would say it's, it's false by omission in terms okay. of... Leaving the details out? Yeah. Um, and this is your story to tell, so I, I, I won't spill the beans, but we were talking about earlier maybe posting content 
knowing that it that it's probably going to lead people to believe one thing about it, <laughs> but you really don't you really don't say anything. You just post it. Okay, so I have two examples of this. One being humorous, the first one. Years ago, uh, when I was relatively new to Twitter, um, Lester, <laughs> my old business partner, one of my best friends, uh, drummer for Kelly Clarkson now, he and I thought it would be hilarious, and it was, and we did this a lot, but people started taking it seriously, to post online, like on the night of, let's say the Grammys just for fun. We would be in Nashville, the Grammys are happening in LA. We would post words, like these aren't true, like what a night to be in town for the Grammys or red, uh, red carpet on the Grammys, dot, 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 completely hectic or something like that. Or like, how's a guy supposed to find parking around here um, with all these celebs hanging out near the Grammys or something, something like that. Like one of the things like that, which is all true, but not for us. <laughs> like, like, like I never said I was there. Like, yeah, parking by the Grammys has to be horrible. Um, and so like, there's that humorous thing we were just doing for fun. And then we weren't lying about it. If anybody's like, you're at the Grammys? Like, no, nah, we're sitting at home watching the Grammys. <laughs> but it was just one of those things like, let's just see what would happen. Um, and then two, there's the way of like, and, and I'm, I, I do this. And I'm going to say I do this. And I know other people who do this. So I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. I take pictures anytime I'm working in a recording studio with an artist first of all to document the experience because it's fun and it's life and their memories but two social media is key in what we do like mm-hmm. you have to stay relevant I get a lot of work from social media um, just bands and artists who find me and have a way to contact me because that's a way to stay in touch with people you ordinarily don't know how to get a hold of um, so I try to stay very persistent with my and regular with my with my posts especially on Instagram so I take pictures of everything. And some days when I have nothing to post, which imagine that our lives aren't glorious every single day. <laughs> um, not that I'm complaining about my life. I'm just saying it's not all rock star. There are times I'm sitting at home on the couch eating cereal and I like post a picture of a piece of recording gear. But if you look at my captions, I don't lie about anything. I say, this rack of gear is glorious. Or here's me looking to the right, which it was. <laughs> um, but that picture was months old. And uh, I tag where I took the picture or where the picture was taken. And sometimes my buddies who are in other studios will send me pictures of this gear and I'll say photo by them or thanks courtesy of them or whatever and tag that studio that was taken at. Um, And people see it like, oh, Robert must be in LA working today. Well, Robert was sitting at home in his pajamas, (laughs) um, you know, taking a day off or whatever. But I posted something about that in the gear uh, on Instagram about the gear. And uh, it's, it's not misleading. It might be misleading. It's not intentionally misleading. It's intentionally looking busy um, or, or giving content. Um, but it's all stuff. It's like stuff that I, or true, stuff that I had worked on, stuff, places that I was working um, on, on things with, the gear I was touching, the artists I was working with. But I still go back to the archives of years ago and post pictures that I took. Um, and, you know, supermodels do the same thing. Look at their outfits, look at their scenery and scroll through their Instagram. You're just like, oh, you wore that five months ago or five years ago, even you're just repurposing those pictures. Um, bands, Metallica will post images of them from 1987. Like, Oh, this was a good show or rocking faces or, you know, stuff like that. Every band does it. Um, I do it. A lot of producers I know do it. Um, a lot of musicians I know do it and I encourage it. I think it's fun. Um, don't straight up lie and say in the studio today working with, right. I'm like, that's lying, but I'll put like, Studio life is my favorite or something. I don't know, stuff like that. It's so true. And I think a big portion of what we do as producers also kind of, uh, well, it, it very much um, 
moves into the realm of artist development. And the, that's something that I'm always telling my artists to do is take lots of pictures, take lots of pictures while you're in the studio, take cool pictures of gear because your album's about to move into a, a, a point of point in time when it's going to be getting mixed, it's going to be getting edited, it's going to be the behind your, the scenes your stuff. release stuff, and and there's not going to be anything yeah. exciting. You're going to be sitting at home or working on your day job or you know whatever you're doing while you're waiting on this record to come out, and you're going to need to be posting content and getting people amped about it. So take way more pictures than you think you'll ever need right now. And slowly leak them out over the next couple of months to yeah. to build anticipation. So that's just smart. That's just smart marketing. Um, but I there's something psychological about uh, about humanity and our idea that oh other people want this, therefore I want it. Um, iPhone's a great example of that. Oh, I see where you're going with this, and that that's true. That they called sheep. <laughs> yeah, they follow the flock uh, or lemmings even. Um, where one jumps off a cliff, then the next one, and then the next one. Like everybody else doing it, there must be something to this. And and it's, I, I see it specifically with Apple, where you know people, Android users will make fun of Apple users, and, and there's funny advertisements and all kinds of things where yeah. <laughs> you know uh, iPhone users are are just like dumb, brainless sheep. Cheap, yeah. Um, the truth is, I use an Apple product all the time. By the way, I'm an <laughs> iPhone user. I, I am. As all well. my computers are Macs. Um, but, but the, uh, the, the truth is it's a, that's a great survival mechanism. I mean, if you're the only person on planet earth using one particular brand of phone, you know, good luck getting any kind of customer service or ever getting help with it or getting it replaced or fixed or whatever. But that's not the point. The point is, um, that sort of, uh, you know, marketing firms in general know this about people. If 5 million people are using that. That must be good. Yeah, there's a. Um, I, I don't want to spoil names because I can't say that I that I know a hundred percent, hundred percent that this is fact. But I'm personally very certain. So there's a very, very, very famous country artist who he or she got big on YouTube, and they they exploded, millions of views, went viral. And as a result, uh, kind of the the Cinderella story uh, wound up signing a record deal and is now on tour all over the world, owning, just owning the country music market. Dang. And come to find out that it it was all, I won't say a farce, but they got signed a long time ago before their YouTube situation. And the label really propped them up, made it look like they had gone viral and then, mm. um, and then what happened was everyone saw, oh, everybody else likes this artist. I guess I need to know who this is. And if everybody right. else thinks this is good, then I guess this is good. So I will, I will decide to like this. And then once they had the real fan base that had kind of swapped out for that fake right. one that had been purchased, yep. then they were ready to go on tour. And, you know, and I think it's actually as a record label, I think that's a genius sort of artist development way to utilize the technology that we have now and where people discover artists, where people find artists. Um, and it, it's tough though, because it's a fine line to walk. And you said purchasing, which we'll talk about in a second. It's a little disingenuous, I think. Um, but it, it stinks because the algorithms that the social media outlets use are often based off of interaction, which you can purchase. 
You can purchase likes, you can purchase followers, you can purchase uh, even comments, auto comments. So anytime you post a picture, there'll be X amount of comments on that picture or something. Um, And so when you do that, your pictures are displayed to more profiles to potentially see your pictures and gain real fans. But if you don't have the fans to begin with, it's kind of a catch-22 because it's not going to be shown to anybody. And it's... Right. So to play the game, a lot of bands and musicians and artists and labels and management companies and just everybody and every business you can think of are purchasing interactions, followers, fans, likes, retweets, all that stuff, all of which you can buy online. Again, we're not saying we condone it, but sometimes it's a necessary evil and then once the traction gets there, like you were saying, people see, oh, wow, this person has 10,000 followers. They obviously must be a guitarist I need to follow Yeah. because why would these 10,000 people be following them? So I guess I'll give it a like and find out. And then suddenly those fake followers fall off because they're bots or they get busted or the Instagram runs an algorithm that right, shuts down their accounts, yeah. clears out the, the cobwebs. And uh, the new ones replace it. So now you have 10,000 real followers, which just just snowballs. Um, And that is real life. And oftentimes, like, people are overusing it. Like, you see someone with 100,000 followers and then eight likes on a picture. Right. Well, okay, that doesn't add up quite right. Or, you know, 20 pictures and they're all really bad. Um, And, and, like, profile buying and selling is a thing. People will like build up a profile with 100,000 real followers and you can buy them online and then change it from a fitness site to a band site. And suddenly your band who just showed up out of nowhere has 100,000 followers. They're real followers expecting fitness posts, <laughs> um, but they're real followers there and all of a sudden you have an account that's either verified or about to be verified or whatever. Yeah, well, and I'll be the first to tell you I hate social media. <laughs> do you? I do. I don't like being on there. I don't like, uh, because it's so, I mean, it's so fake. Uh and it, um, it's a toilet bowl of any kind of news outlet <laughs> like, it, it or is. a population. It's just people just hanging out there, just bashing each other because of the anonymity on it. And you just, you can say anything you want to, you can right. be anybody you, you want to be safe and, and it's yeah. a big popularity contest oh, and it is all fake, man. And there's lots of, um, and, and there, I've actually read studies about this before as well, uh, that, um, you know, come springtime, uh, the rate of suicide and depression goes up, uh, which is surprising, right? Because I would think winter would be worse. You would think, but come springtime, uh, you know, so and so spent two days, uh, you know, on a work trip um, in Florida, but had an hour lunch break where they went to the beach and did kind of what we're talking about. Took yeah. a thousand pictures during that hour, and then for the next two weeks, post those pictures slowly or but two surely. Months, either way. And so then it just looks like they're living this glorious, this glorious life in spring um, on the beach. Yeah. And suddenly that's amplified hundreds or thousands of times. You open up your feed and you see that. And, um, and, and what winds up happening is most people mm-hmm. think, oh, well, I can't afford to go to the beach and spend two weeks. I can't do that. I can't do that. My life is not as awesome as everybody else I follow. Right, and so then you you feel bummed, you feel like you're jealous, yeah. yeah. And uh, the truth is, most people feel that way, and even the people posting those pictures feel that way. Yeah, and to them, they're just competing with everyone else who's posting those pictures because they think those pictures are real, and even though they know theirs aren't, and um, it's just this cycle. And and it's a real you can look it up. It's a real study that's been done, and 
And it's, it's very true. Um, and I, you know, I have people in my life that have taken their lives mm. and, uh, and sure enough, it, springtime, Dang, uh, man. you know, stuck, stuck at home, can't, can't afford to go do anything fun, vacation-y while everybody else is posting all their fun vacation photos. And it, yeah, it makes you feel so anyway. So I think that that was a tangent, but I think social media can be a toilet bowl. Yeah. But all that said, we get lots of clients through social media. Yeah, and we it's, do. A, it's a necessary evil. And it's not just for, I mean, so let's not for just up and comers. And it's not just for like to play the game, not to fake it till you make it, but fake it while you're making it. Um, I can think of a couple of bands that, uh, one of which I've worked with, but another just I know um, that are, you know, top of the charts, world record breaking top of the charts, Hall of Fame musicians, that level, like the top, the creme de la creme, like the, the very most superstarish person you can think of who are buying retweets and likes and fan followers and stuff like that because to the average listener and the average soccer mom and the average um, baby sister and uh, high school kid or retired Walmart greeter or whatever it may be listening to music, if they happen to be on Twitter or Instagram and see that the best of the best out there tweets something and only 18 people like it, Wow, they must be failing. So they have, their labels have, I'm guessing, or the people who do that, a PR company. It's the labels, and I'll tell you a story here in a second. Set up these companies that every time they tweet something, no matter what it is, it needs to have X amount of likes fast. And a lot of those are, fa- are, are, are fake and a lot of them are real. Um, but I know that sometimes being associated with those artists, one in particular that I've worked with, um, all of a sudden, if I post that name, I get a million fake followers for like uh, with their band abbreviation or uh, I'm in love with the singer from that band as their profile thing, but they have no other tweets or they're in a different language and you translate them and it's just like, hey, buy this weight loss supplement. Right. Like they're all <laughs> fake followers, but it's things to make anybody who tweets about that feel like, oh, wow, look at how super fan they are or whatever for this band. This band is huge, which they are, but it, they're creating a fake image. Um, but they've already made it. They've, they've already got the gold and platinum records. They've already got the sales. Unless you can somehow... Hi, this is Seth Mosley, and I got a huge announcement for all of you songwriters out there. These Song Chasers commercial songwriting courses now available. And you can get it for a special deal at turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. Just like my name, S-E-T-H. This is a comprehensive course in commercial songwriting for anyone who wants to be a part of writing a hit song. Again, go over to turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. Everything you need to know about commercial songwriting, turneduppodcast.com slash Seth. How fake those? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What were we going to say? So it it really is just, it's just marketing. It's marketing, marketing, marketing. Uh, we as human in 2014. And this was the, the band that you previously played with. Yes. So we were signed to Atlantic Records and we needed uh, a touring vehicle and we wanted a bus. Of course. Um, Rockstar life, bro. Because <laughs> we were and, doing a lot of touring. And convenience. Uh, well, and, and when you live when you live in the vehicle that you drive around in and it's a van that's that your life, your quality of life suffers to a point where it's, it can become physically unhealthy. I didn't even like being on the bus. Yeah. Bus, bus life is, is much harder than I think anybody thinks it is. I mean, it's cool for like a day. Oh, uh, <laughs> no. For the so, Instagram pictures. So we did a Kickstarter 
and raised a, a fair amount of money. We were able to not only buy the bus that we wanted, but we also were able to pay to have it renovated. Uh, but our label, Atlantic, looked at the situation like, wait, 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 wait. You are signed to a major record label. What is this doing for your reputation having to crowdfund for this? Uh, that could look bad. And they were getting ready to shell out the money to do it for us and just make it recoupable. Which means give you a loan for it. Exactly. Force uh, you to take a loan on it. Because they didn't want to look they didn't they didn't want to look bad, but they didn't want us to look bad. And they would rather their band driving around in a tour bus as though we just were making so much money on the road that we could afford it. And again, because it's all perception. Right. And that's that's what faking it till you make it's all about. And that that's not always just to the fans. That can be to music industry executives as well. There's something that bands have called an EPK. Yeah, electronic press kit. So back in the day you had a press kit that could literally it was literally a folder or a or a a binder that you would mail in. Yeah, I heard stories of a band getting signed, uh sending a press kit in a pizza box to uh Tooth and Nail Records. Um, so that way they'd be, they'd see it and stick out. I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Actually. Let's take a listen to this demo. Anyway, as you were saying, no, Pete Gambarg, actually, he's the, uh, VP and head of A&R at Atlantic was telling us a story about, uh, uh artists would send in boom boxes with cassette tapes preloaded, preloaded, ready to go. And huh. you just open up the boom box and hit play. Makes Already sense. had the batteries in it. Uh, if you don't know what a boom box is, Google it. <laughs> but the, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, this, these press kits, are essentially a, hey, look what we've done. And those are what bands send out to uh, show promoters to try to get booked for tours, festivals, but they also send it to uh, you know any kind of, anyone in the music industry that they're trying to, to say, hey, look at us. Sponsorships, clothing companies, radio guys. Yes, the whole directors, night. Everything. And, and, uh, and so that's a, that's a place where you really see a lot of shared the stage with so and you need to dive into that. Yeah, uh, it's very common practice for, you know, okay, 2008, I was in a band. Yeah. And we, Sonic Bids, uh, which is a, they're actually a website that hosts electronic press kits. That's their their main thing. Like a big uh, monster.com job resume site, except for bands. Just nothing but like, check out these bands. If you need to hire a band, you go there. If you want to be a band that gets hired for a concert or a gig or whatever, you put your thing up there. Yeah, Sonic Bids. You should yeah. check it out. But uh, so Sonic Bids was holding a competition and the Christian Festival Association was was putting on the competition. Sonic Bids was hosting it. And all across the country, you uh, bands submitted to play the festivals in their region. And these were big festivals. These were big three-day 100, 200,000 plus attendance festivals. Gigantic. Sure. And in our particular region in the Southwest, I was living in New Mexico, we had Rock the Desert and there were probably 10 bands that submitted and we were one of them. Me being a producer and kind of having this fake it till you make it mentality, I absolutely fluffed us up. I went to our MySpace, we custom designed it. And, and did everything we could to, to look great and sound great, even though you know, we may not have been that great. And sure enough, we won uh, this, the regional competition and went and played this festival. So the winners played the pre-opening slot. I think the first band of the day was The Wedding. 
And so we played right before them. Arkansas boys. For, yeah, we got a 30-minute slot. And, uh, and then, yeah, that was it. That was, and, then, and then we came to Nashville, played a label showcase. But you better believe that for the next, as long as we were a band, uh, <laughs> our EPK, as well as any bio anywhere we had online, said, shared the stage with, list every band that was on that stage that day. That was somehow recognizable. Yeah, so I think Skillet played that day, Audio Adrenaline played that day, Red, I know, played that day. Uh, so we shared the stage with all these bands. Yeah. None of those bands knew who we were, nobody, you know, but but to the average fan and to anyone else looking around, it was, uh, it was definitely impressive to see. Dude, one of my favorite things is when I see um, a band, like their bio on their website or whatever it may be, and it said, our album was produced by fill in the blank of a producer. And then right next to that producer in parentheses is all the big bands that producers worked with. Like our our album was just produced by blah, blah, blah. And then it'll say like- Robert Venable. Oh, then it'll say big names. There. In parentheses, it'll say Kelly Clarkson. Oh, shut up. So- 21 Pilots. But when in reality, if that producer is available and that producer uh, and, and that band has the money to pay the producer's fees- the producer will work on your stuff as long as it's workable. I mean, I've turned down, you've turned down, we've all turned down projects. We're like, there's, we, there's nothing to see here. We can't, <laughs> we can't help this. Um, there's only you can polish a turd; it's still a turd. It's just a shiny turd. Um, you, you can't do things with every project, but I mean, you can hear the potential. You can listen to demos. I'm like, okay, I can fix this. It's going to cost this, and if they pay this, we'll fix it, um, and we'll make it make it music, make it make sense. So. Them saying, oh man, yeah, we just got out of the studio with blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and that person's worked with fill in the blank. I don't know, whatever the biggest bands are these days. Um, <laughs> yeah. What all the kids are listening uh, to Ariana these Grande days. and uh, Garth Brooks, right? No? no yeah, he came back out. He came out of retirement. Uh, he's touring still. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. Worked with all these huge people. It's like, and we're next. Like, well, okay. Yeah, you paid them. So that actually is very impressive, especially to radio. Um, that was something, again, with We As Human that we found. We'd worked with Howard Benson. Which is a huge producer. And that was a question we got a lot was, what was it like working with Howard Benson? And, uh, you know, I, I won't say here on the podcast, but um, <laughs> oh. we, we actually didn't work much with Howard Benson. That's weird. That's how Howard you were, Benson works. You were in his studio, though. Was in his studio. He, he, He's got great assistance. He is the producer on the project. but That's what they say. Uh, his engineer is who we, who we worked with, but the, um, what's even funnier is you'll see, you know, worked with uh, Fred Smith and then parentheses, I don't know, Metallica, Jennifer Lopez, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make up uh, stuff. Ariana Grande, Justin Bieber, because they all work the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you realize, oh, that guy was an intern at the studio. Yeah that produced those records and now he's got a home studio of his own and there that's a perfect example of faking it till you make it sure yeah that guy i guess is associated with and i I, i'm guilty as charged with this because uh and anybody who knows me i mean knows that this story i have told it before maybe even on air i can't remember Um, but my very first credit was with uh megadeth and my very first credit was not me producing Megadeth. Like, I am a producer. That's what I do for a living. I produce, I mix, I engineer. Um, but I did not produce Megadeth ever. I never have. 
Um, but my bio says producer credits include, which if you look up, I do have credits with Megadeth and blah, blah, blah. Um, my very first credit was with Megadeth. I was an assistant engineer on that project. Um, I did some background vocals on that project and I did some engineering um, at times and some editing and stuff, um, engineering on that project when Jeff Balding would leave the studio, the guy who did produce and engineer most of that record. Um, and I got credits for that. And if it ever goes gold, I'll get a gold record for that. Um, but when you look at my bio and you see producer, credits include Megadeth, you might think, oh, he produced Megadeth. I need him to produce my record. I'm like, well, yeah, I might be able to do a good job at it because of my years of experience doing hard rock and metal. Um, but it's not because I produced Megadeth. You know what yeah. I mean? So it, it, and, and that's not misleading on purpose, but that is, I know that people do that. And there are other credits that I have that I say, hey, yes, I've worked with this band, this band, this band, this band, this band, because they're recognizable names, but you don't know what I did. And I, I remember feeling fooled once with an engineer I worked with, I looked up to and saw like, oh, wait, all he did was tune the vocals on that record? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I thought he was like the man on that record. He said he engineered on that. That's weird. He did. He engineered on it. Yeah. He was an engineer. Yeah. I mean, I've worked on records with huge names that I've never even met the people. Well, so... uh me faking it is how I am even sitting here right now today, which is not fake. You are, you've done well for yourself and uh, your accolades definitely speak to your level of success in this industry, which is, which, so I'm going to make a case for why faking it till you make it is not always a bad thing. All right. Yeah. Let's spin it that way. Um, So first of all, you do have to be able to back up your abilities. Yeah. You do have to be able to be as good as you claim to be. Sure. Um, and you have to be willing and willing to put in the work. It's like if I'm trying to get a job as an engineer for NASA, but I don't know, uh, but I don't know how to math, which I don't, <laughs> well, I'm not going to try to get a job for NASA, but, uh, but I'm, you better believe that I'm going to be doing everything I can to learn everything I can about mathing. Okay. Um, before I get that job, while I'm trying to get hired for that job. I see, yeah. And if NASA does hire me for that job, I have to be able to back up what I claimed on my resume that I could do because on my resume I claimed I'm a good mather. <laughs> um, and I'm so good at math. I'm the best at maths. Be- Beth at math. I'm the best at math. Um, That's yeah, weird. I'm never going to get a job for NASA. Uh, but all that said, that is, that is what ha- that's how I wound up in We as Human. Um, I was living in Portales, New Mexico. It's a you can you can find it on a map if you look really hard. If you have a magnifying glass, or if you're on a plane that crashes randomly in the middle of nowhere, middle of nowhere, or in the Bermuda Triangle. That's where they output all the the ones who disappear. They all show up there somehow in Portales. <laughs> so uh, no, I love Portales. I, I loved loved uh, growing up there, and and uh, it's a great place. But I my point being, it really is in the middle of nowhere, and there's no reason anyone should know where it is or or it's it's claim to fame for a while was the peanut cap Valencia peanut capital of the world. And then, uh, and then now they don't even do that. Um, but all that being said, uh, this band from North Idaho was looking for a guitarist and they had some pretty specific requirements. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't, uh, match any of those. So I've said that before, but one of those requirements was they wanted a, a, uh, a a nice tour ready rig, which means like professional amp, you know, of high quality pedals, pedal board. Like, just don't be an idiot. Know what you're doing. 
Makes sense. I had no clue what I was doing. Uh-oh. Literally, I had never owned a tube amp a day in my life. I didn't know anything about tube amps. You didn't play tube. <laughs> you needed a guitar amp, Jake. <laughs> so, uh, so, and if you don't know what that is, it's like any, any high quality amplifier uses vacuum tubes to produce the nice sound. And as a general rule of thumb, solid state or digital or amps that don't have tubes um, are usually a lot less expensive, a lot easier to maintain, but don't sound as good. Is or the, they sound different. I was about to say, it's, that's the general consensus. Agreed. True, true or not. It's all subjective. But sure. regardless, I didn't have anything these guys were looking for. I was not that good of a guitar player. I had been really my, my biggest claim to fame was that one band that we played that one festival date. <laughs> and the, the Because you shared the stage with all those huge bands. The end of that story is we come to Nashville, play a label showcase, and it was a, it was a big label group here in Nashville, and they had representatives from each of the three labels underneath, as well as people from their radio department, A&R department, and they all had these sheets that they filled out to, to uh, grade our performance on all different aspects we got 15 minutes. We got to play two songs, and then they uh, and then they gave us their their scorecards afterwards. And I think we had an average rating of four um, on a scale from one to ten. Okay. And uh, the bottom of one of the pages said, "You might might really want to pray about this and and see if this is truly what you should be doing with your life." <laughs> I'm not lying. I still have I still have those scorecards. They're they're in the studio. I was once told by someone I was working with that I should move back to where I came from. Um, it's like, hey, not everybody makes it in Nashville. <laughs> he was right. So that was my most professional experience in the music industry up to that point uh, with my Crate Solid State 212 that I think every guitar player had at one point when they were starting off. Uh, and that's what I had the day I sent my first email to We As Humans saying, hey, I'd like to join your band. Granted, at that time, they were doing nothing. They had lost a potential record deal with a, a Christian label here in Nashville. Uh, they had no no new material on the horizon, no tours booked, no management. Um, it was it was kind of bleak, but they were wanting to give it a good go. And uh, and I said yes. I'm here's here's my resume, and I emailed them all this big professional sounding stuff. Uh, shared the stage with blah blah blah, <laughs> and it got me a call back. And after about a month worth of conversations with different band members and them telling me, like, are you really sure you want to do this? We really have nothing going on. And, and uh, you know, we really like you and you sound like you know what you're talking about. But we really, like, it's, it's pretty stark on our end and you're jumping into something. Um, we, you know, we can't fly you up to Idaho for rehearsals. Like, hope you have some money. Um, which I never actually paid out of pocket for a ticket. You win. Another story for another day. But um, all that said, I joined, I got the, I got the, I got the gig. Uh, Justin Forshaw and I both on the same day got phone calls saying, hey, we would like you guys both to be our new guitarists. And uh, February 15th, 2010. Um, wow. But that being said, what did I do? I locked myself in my room and learned every We As Human song that they had at the time forwards and backwards, up and down. I hopped on Craigslist and found a, a tube amp that was within my budget, which was not a very big budget. Um, and uh, it actually is still sitting right there in my studio. I still use it, in fact. Um, but I bought some pedals and a pedal board so that I at least looked like 
I, I knew what I was doing with them and jumped in head first. Of course, a month later, we get an email saying, hey, Skillet really likes your stuff. John Cooper works out to your, you guys' songs. Um, why don't you come to Nashville? Let's talk about maybe a management deal and a record deal and the rest is history. But I totally faked it. And then I had to do the work to, uh, to um, be able to back up my claims that sure. now I know what I'm doing. Of course I know what I'm doing. And I, I really didn't. But uh, yeah, that's... Dude, with, with the Megadeth record that I was working on, um, I remember showing up at the studio and they go, do you know Pro Tools? Which at the time I was not very familiar with. I knew a little bit of. I didn't know my way around it very well. I could fake it. Um, so I said yes. Um, and then straight up lied. And then went home that night and got on my dial-up internet and downloaded the manual to Pro Tools and just printed it off and memorized it. Like highlighted all the shortcut commands and like the basic editing things. So when I went the next day, they had me editing old Megadeth records, uh, cleaning them up and stuff to be remastered. I uh, I kind of knew what I was doing and didn't embarrass myself um, and learned the basic recording shortcut keys. So when Jeff Balding would leave the studio and I had to engineer Dave Mustaine's guitar solos or vocal cuts... Um, I knew what I was doing and they wouldn't be waiting on me. And uh, so, yeah, faked that one um, and then made it through it and got hired a lot because of that. But there's, I mean, there's just so many great examples of that. There's a, there's a band that, uh, well, okay, here's another one you see a lot. Live performance videos. Oh, okay. And um, this this kind of goes hand in hand with what we talked about in our very first episode of Turned Up. Um, that's how it's all fake. And but. I think I actually told this, this story uh I think I told this exact story, but I was working with a band in the studio. They had a concert and a professional videographer came out, filmed the concert. And there were a few occasions where the videographer panned to the crowd and there were a solid 10 people in that crowd. And it just, it was depressing. Mm. Um, But on stage, the band was killing it. It looked great. Cool lights, smoke, the whole nine. It was awesome. And so I told them, hey, this part looks great. This part, not so great. Because what does it do? It tells everybody that watches the video, oh, they're not very popular. I'm not interested. Yeah. So what did they do? They had their videographer go on to Shutterstock, <laughs> download stock footage of large crowds. Googling crowds, yelling at band. Yep. Oh, yeah. And that video is very popular. It's up right now. You can find it on YouTube. And every crowd shot is not their crowd. It's a stock crowd but it makes it look like they were playing to thousands of people instead of 10. And that is, that tells people consciously and subconsciously a lot about this band. Like, oh, they're playing big shows. Oh, they're, they're very popular. They're making big waves, you know, everywhere they go. Uh, we need to have them. Um, because at the end of the day, money people want money radio yeah. stations want money shows want money they want people Business. to come yeah and so they want to attract bands that are going to attract a crowd and so if it looks like you have a big crowd then good chance you'll be able to attract a big crowd here and um yeah it's fake it till you make it not even so much in um only in live music and performances in real life uh there's also instances of faking it we've talked about this a lot on the show um, in recordings, but like sometimes the guitar player may not quite be up to chops yet, but have the opportunity to record a session player playing the solo in the middle of the song that he just couldn't quite get, or the producer will do it for him. 
And then like he'll have to learn it by the time it comes around to the live performances. But you're faking it, running off that record. People are going, oh man, you killed that. And sometimes he even gets the credit. And sometimes he'll even say, yes, that was me playing that guitar solo. Um, I mean, even as a producer and a person who's overdubbed stuff drum-wise or whatever that I'm capable of doing, I've said, you can tell people this is you. I don't give a flip. However, um, just know back in the back of your head who really played this. <laughs> well, uh, and in the, in the interest of, of the success of the artist, a lot of times it's important that people believe that this is you, mm-hmm. um, but you better, you better either learn it or figure out something else to do right there. Cause if you get up on stage and bomb this, um, Oh yeah. You know, that's, that, that's, that's gonna be really bad. You are done. <laughs> um, also something that's, uh, been interesting to me and I, I've weighed heavily on my mind that I've wanted to share with like the rock star life. Okay. Fake it till you make it. Like you have to live, and we talked about social media already, that lifestyle where your fans think you are the rock star, you are the idol, quote unquote, which I hate that. Um, but you are everything that we've imagined you'd be. We don't think of you sitting at home eating McDonald's or having to go to Target and pick up toilet paper <laughs> or um, you know, driving a beat up car. You know what I mean? They're thinking, and, and uh, there are certain genres of music who preach this a lot more than others where they're like talking about Raris um, <laughs> that they're driving in the middle of the stacks of cash that they don't have yet. Maybe they will. Um, but a lot of that is fake it till you make it. Uh, you want the people to be like, oh man, this guy's got a Ferrari. Oh man, this guy's got more than one Ferrari. Um, or this rock band, man, they go back home and sitting in their mansions. We've talked about this a little bit. Uh, but you don't expose that part of your life in all aspects. Um, there's a level of humility that either is or is not there. Um, that these 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 bands that you look up to, um, some of them do have the the Raris, <laughs> the Ferraris, and some of them do have the mansions, and some of them don't eat McDonald's or go to Target because they have people to do that for them. Here, eat that French fry for me because it looks really good, but <laughs> I can't have the calories. Um, but like, and you've been humble and talked about like you were touring the biggest stages and playing the awesome venues and um, literally sharing the stage with big bands, not like opening up for them um, 15 hours earlier uh, <laughs> on a different part of the park, but, and then coming back and having to work a day job to keep your family's bills paid. And But you better believe I wasn't posting pictures from my restaurant job right. on my social media. It was, you know, it was those, those professional photographer photos that they would send in that I would post literally exactly. from the break room or, you know, while I was taking a break from scrubbing dishes. Yeah, and I think on some level, um, most people on social media will will do the same. They don't want to post the non-glorious moments of their life at all times. But yeah, so faking it till you make it. So it's uh, whenever you you see a new band on the scene, um, just know that a lot of thought and effort and energy has gone into those really nice, Photos and videos and and those pictures you see they could have been mm. from six months to a year ago staged handed videos and photos too yeah uh, yeah like oh I didn't see you over there that's weird <laughs> um and it's it's a it's kind of a, a necessary evil in today's world and society because fads come and go so quickly you have to kind of try to make yourself look like a fad in order to become a fad yeah that's true it's sad but true um and it's the game that we play. Jake, that's what we do. And at the end of the day, your, your quality will speak for itself regardless. Right. If you can't back it up and you have no product, real product to deliver um, after all the hype and all the marketing and all the commercials, um, if, if it's just not going to work, then, then you won't get hired again. You won't be playing the stage with uh, anybody, <laughs> maybe just for your mom 
And then, um, and you won't be hired to produce records because you're not producing quality product. And you can only fake people out a certain amount of times before like word gets out there, word goes around and fast in this business for sure. And stealing someone else's photos of their gold records and putting them on Christ. Like that's just, that's lying. That's, that's outright just. And we can fact check a lot of this stuff. And like, yeah, we fact check and say, hey, these people said they shared the stage. We probably know they opened for them 15 hours earlier. We, we've been around long enough to know that. And you can see that. I'm like, okay, they weren't lying. They did that. We understand that. But to say like you have 40 gold records and posting a picture of someone else's gold records, that's just jacked up. And uh, I called him out on that, that guy. Man, I haven't emailed the guy in Italy yet to tell him this guy's stealing his <laughs> credentials, which I should probably... Let him handle it. Policing the world one liar one, at a time. One figure at a time. Add that to my resume. Well, if you have any questions, uh, you can, of course, go to turnedupodcast.com and reach us that way. But we are on and active on our social media at Turned Up Podcast on Instagram and Twitter or facebook.com forward slash Turned Up Podcast. We're there too. Um, and we love hearing from you. We love show ideas. We love getting your thoughts. Um, please, if you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or Google Podcasts, that's the thing now. If you're listening to this at all, whatever you're listening on, go in. <laughs> How are you hearing if you're not listening to this right now? Leave us a rating We're and, curious. and review, please. It helps us tremendously. Five stars if you love it. Five stars if you hate it. Yeah, um, it only lets you do five stars. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and that helps us, uh, reach more people. It helps us be heard. It, it, uh, it allows other people to see like, Oh, people like this podcast. And one thing that we could fake that we don't is leaving ourselves, ourselves, positive reviews and ratings. Uh, we were only able to leave ourselves one. So if you guys have to do the rest for us, <laughs> uh, you know, iTunes actually does a pretty good job of, of keeping you from doing that. Um, I learned, uh, you can go in if you go in and try to leave a second review. Yeah, uh, it only lets you change your first previous review. review. Oh, yeah. that's smart. Good. Okay, great. Um, not because I was trying to leave us multiple reviews. Weird. We were just talking about it for no reason. Just making sure other people can't. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? Huge thank you to Real Sound uh, for giving us this platform, and a huge thank you to our patrons. If you would like to become a patron and support this podcast. Uh, you can go to turnedupodcast.com, look in the top right corner uh, and click the button that says become a patron. We'll let you in on the super secret, super exclusive uh, Turnup Podcast uh, Facebook group. Uh, I think it's called the, the Turnup Podcast Underground um, where we discuss cool things that we're up to, share little behind the scenes secrets as well as release uh, release some stories and and. Uh, unheard episodes or unedited episodes um yeah a huge shout out to our newest patron i'm not, I'm not gonna name them all anymore or like a handful of them what takes forever uh but i don't even know how to say this yit it's y-i-t-y-z-t um is the username um i believe it's a friend of ours named rob but he uh he is our newest patron so shout out to you buddy what's up man Thank you so much. And to the rest of you, you keep us going from week to week. We love you so much. And, uh, and we can't wait to come back. And, uh, and, and uh, we have to get some chicken, Jake. I'm so hungry. I need chicken right now. My brain are melting. I don't even need chicken. I just need something like kangaroo. Mm. I don't know. Rodents. Fried kangaroo. 
Kitty litter? Mm, no, don't eat that. No? Trust me. You can trust me on this one. I've never tasted kitty litter. Hopefully I don't. <laughs> Not on purpose anyway. I used to eat fistfuls of cat food when I was a kid. I and did that. The X's and O's. Oh, yep. Uh, what was meow, it called? Meow mix. Yeah. Oh. That, those, those were good. Oh, meow mix is the best. I learned what goes into those. I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But until then, this is Nashville signing out. Peace. Peace.